Welcome to the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. Vintage Church is a multi-church, multi-city movement of truth, love, and community. For information, visit vintagechurchmovement.com. Here is this week's message. Exodus 5, verses 1 through 21. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that they may that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, Let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task, each day as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks! And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle, you're idle! That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce the number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Well, good morning, VC NOLA. This is your music arts director, Mark Anthony Thomas, and I'm super excited to be bringing forth the word this morning. Uh, Once again, I let Pastor Dustin trick me into doing something that I had no intention on doing uh, for the rest of the year. No, that's a joke. I I, I did anticipate it a bit. However, uh, we're here once again, and um, I'm super excited. I do believe uh, there is a word from the Lord. And as you all know, right now, We are in our crossover series 
where we're walking through uh, Exodus and exploring the lives of the children of Israel. And so you all know we do have some resources available. But just to recap a little bit, where we are right now is we're in chapter 5. Um, and so at this point, we've seen like Moses uh, entering into uh, uh, Pharaoh's territory, him growing up and he mistakenly killed the man, so he ran away. And, and now we're, we're kind of like right behind where um, he encountered the burning bush, where God told him what he wanted him to do. And so basically right now, um, uh, he and Aaron, um, they are now, they, they have presented what God showed them to show the people to, uh, to let them know that he would deliver them from Egypt. And so Moses now has shown the people, Aaron has spoken for him, and now the elders of Israel, they all on agree, uh, um, I'm sorry, uh, um, they all agree and they're ready to be delivered. Um, they are set for, for a promise, they are ready for God to do something new, they are really in anticipation. And so uh, right here where we are in the story, uh, Moses and Aaron finally goes to Pharaoh to tell him the infamous song we all know, what is called church, that's it, let my people Go. There we go. And uh, we're going to just uh, stay in chapter five and see how this story plays a part. And I'm pretty sure you can find a word. So um, thank you, Doug, for reading for us. And um, let's get into it. So um, in verses uh, one through five, we see a couple of things. Right. And so um, Pharaoh literally asked the question in verse two, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? And let Israel go. I do not know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. So we can stop right there for a second. So we want to define the who is the Lord. The Lord is, is, is Yahweh, or what we call basically uh, the name of God. And for Pharaoh, I kind of want to explore his mind and his position and his heart right here. Because for Pharaoh, who is the Lord is actually a good question, believe it or not. It actually is. Why? Because in Exodus 1 and 8, before we even get into this part of the story, right, the, uh, the Bible already told, told us that the, uh, the days of Joseph are over. Now, we can estimate, uh, historians uh, say that it's about between 400 and 430 years since Joseph has died. And, you know, we all know the story of Joseph, how uh, he became the king's right man and moved all the children of Israel into the land of Goshen, where they had everything they need. But we saw that Pharaoh didn't like this, right? He said that the children of Israel outnumbered the Egyptians, and he was afraid that they would eventually take over. But listen, the days of Joseph are over, so this is why it makes sense for Pharaoh to ask, who is the Lord? The other thing is, think about it. Pharaoh is the Bill Gates of this time. He's a, he's a wealthy man, right? He's a strong man. He's the leader. He has power. He has wealth. And not only that, Pharaoh, as well as the other Egyptians, they worshiped hundreds of gods that had their own appearances, right? We, we know about Osiris. We know about uh, 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 Isis, right? We know about Ra, the sun god, uh, uh, Set, all right? Uh, so Pharaoh literally, he literally did not know this Lord or, or, or Yahweh. And thirdly, think about it. I'm a king. I have money. I have wealth. I have power. And I have two laymen representing a Lord that I do not know, a name of a God that I do not know. And not only do they tell me to let their people go, but can we go to the wilderness to work? I mean, I'm sorry, to worship for uh, for. Uh, for three days. Now remember, if I'm king, I got all the money. All of my work wants to leave. All of my servants, all of my work literally 
wants to leave for three days, that will put a big halt on any kind of production. So, again, this question to Pharaoh, who is the Lord, it makes perfect sense because he got all these factors. I don't know the Lord. I don't know these laymen. And not only that, you're going to halt my production. But what Pharaoh doesn't know that this question sets up the Exodus story. So now we figured out who Moses is, right? God gave instructions. We met them at the burning bush. Uh, God told Moses that Aaron would be his mouthpiece. He gathered Aaron. They told the, cho- the, uh, the elders of Israel what's going to happen. They received it. They were excited. And now we're here at Moses and Aaron asking Pharaoh to let the people go. And Pharaoh literally says, who is the Lord? that I should listen to him. But again, like I said before, little did he know that God is about to make himself known. God is about to make himself known not only to Pharaoh, but but to the Egyptians as well as the children of Israel. But listen, the Bible tells us who the Lord is. And before we go any further, I just want to read uh, two scriptures. Uh, The Bible tells us specifically um, that in Isaiah 44 and 24, That thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, so the Lord is our Redeemer, who formed you uh, from the womb. He's also a creator. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. So our our Lord, right, this Lord, he's he's a Redeemer, right? He's, He's described as a creator, and not only that, he did it all by himself, so he is supreme, He is supreme. He is strong. Listen, uh, let's check out Romans 1 and 20. It says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Listen, we serve a, God, a great big God, right, who does great big things, who made the heavens, who's a redeemer, right, who's a, who's a creator, right, who's all supreme. And so the Bible tells us who this Lord is, but I really want to know from you all, who is your Lord? Do you believe these things about the Lord? Do you trust what the Bible says about the Lord? Is, the, is, is God Lord of your life? Who is the Lord, Right. That's a question we could ask ourselves there. Who is our Lord? And the Bible tells us. But listen, here's, here's the thing, though. If we say God is our Lord, I want to really, really know this from you. Do Will we believe God's word? If we say God is our Lord, will we believe his word? I want to read verses uh, six through nine for a second uh, from Exodus uh, chapter five, verses six through nine. It says this verse six, the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather the straw for themselves. Pharaoh basically said the, the straws that I was giving to make sure my assignments and my tasks were done well. I'm going to take away this straw, and now I'm going to make the children of Israel find their own straw and then come back and still make the bricks. Listen, um, verse 8, it says, but the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Or another word for that is Pharaoh called them lazy. 
Therefore, they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Again, this is Pharaoh talking. This is Pharaoh talking. He's, he told the taskmasters and their foremen, don't give them any straw. Don't reduce their workload. And whatever Moses and, saying, uh, Moses and Aaron are saying, guess what? It's lies. We have, that's a big problem with this, right? So in Pharaoh's mind, again, I want to explore Pharaoh's mind because I think his question, it made perfect sense, right? Um, in Pharaoh's eyes, this was giving more work and harder work and more gruesome work, right, to make these bricks uh, for the people to gather their own straw. This was some serious work. Now, I know some of us, we hate working in the heat. I'm one of them. You can't get me to go outside but to either swim or walk to the car. I'm so serious. But listen, I love doing it swimming and walking to the car. But manual labor in the sun, I'm praying for all our construction workers. I'm praying for anybody that works outside. One of those washers, listen, we commend you. You're not paid enough, but we love you. But I promise you, you will never see me hanging from a, from a building. You'll never see me building no, 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 no roads in the heat. It's hot. It's hot. And not only that, imagine if you had to, especially our construction workers, right? Imagine if you had a had to take every time you use the wheelbarrow or, or a cement truck, right? You had to push it or you had to like manually walk it, all right? I, I couldn't use a truck to, to carry my tools to work. They had to literally go get it themselves. It's some gruesome work. It's hard. But in Pharaoh's eyes, this was perfect. Why? Because the work kept the children of Israel quiet. So in his mind, again, it makes sense. I'm the boss. I'm the leader. So if, if work kept you quiet, all right? Then more work, more work will keep you quiet. And all this, I'll just talk about the Lord says, thus says the Lord, right, could end, right? But in Pharaoh's mind, this is, this makes sense, right? Pharaoh doesn't know the Lord, meaning he has no reason to trust what any, trust anything of what Moses and Aaron are saying, right? And to the, to the point where even in verse 9, Pharaoh called the words of Moses and Aaron false. He called God a liar. He called God a liar. But listen, catch this. This is ever the view of a non-believer, that God's words, any, any truth for that matter, are lies that keep you from conforming to the expectations of the world you live in and from enjoying life on your own terms. I read that again. God, uh, the, uh, the non-believer believes God's words are lies, he believes God's words are lies that keep you from conforming to the expectations of the world you live in and from enjoying life on your own terms. We see this in Genesis 3 and 4 when, when the serpent, right, the enemy, the Satan, he told, he told Eve, right, you can eat from this tree. You can do it. But Eve was just given instruction to not, right? But, but, but that's what the enemy does, right, the non-believer, the doubter, right? Um, he tells us lies. He, tell, he tells us lies, but he called God's words lies, and it keep us from enjoying life on our own terms. But the truth of the matter is life is not about us at all, right? I have a creator. You know, I have a purpose far beyond, right, what I think it is, right? We have a creator. So this life is not my own, and so I shouldn't live Live life on my own terms. So what are some examples, right, of, of some lies we've been told, right, All right, that, that, that helps us uh, enjoy life on our own terms? We love it, right? Money. 
Money helps us live life on our own terms. So what the result is, we naturally pursue it. I got to make more money. Got to make more money to do this. I got to make more money to have that. I got to buy this, right? I need to do this. Some other things, right? Power. I was watching Aladdin a few, a few nights ago, and uh, I remember Jeannie told Aladdin, he said, please don't wish for money or power because you're never satisfied. And I said, "Woo, that's the truth right there. No matter how much money and power you have, you'll never, ever be satisfied. There must be something more. Catch this out. Sex. Some lies, right? We've been told if you, the more sex you have, the cooler you are, the better you are, right? But it, it's, it's not. It's not. This life is not our own. We have to keep ourselves pure and holy. Now, now I, want to, I want you to catch this as well. When Moses at the burning bush, chapter 3, Moses literally asked God, what shall I say when people ask who you are? And God says, I am that I am. Now, Moses' position was one of humility, right? He may have lacked a little confidence, but, but he wasn't so full of himself to the point where he just was giving God his own name, right? Compared to when Pharaoh asked, who is this Lord? It was very, very conniving. It, 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 was, it was very very uh, brash. It, it was very sarcastic. Who is the Lord? Because if there's a God uh, above the gods that I serve, then something's not right because the gods that I serve placed me as a central figure, somewhat as a God, right? But that's not it. So we have, we see here, we're starting to get a, get a, a little glimpse of Pharaoh's heart. He literally called Moses and Aaron, and Moses and Aaron uh, a liar and said God's words Lies. Let's keep reading um, verse 10. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. Horrible, right? So the people were scattered throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, complete your work, your daily task, each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not done all your tasks of making bricks today and yesterday, as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, why do you treat your servants like this? No straws given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, you are idle. Again, that word idle pops back up again. He really means you are lazy. You are lazy. That is why you say, let us go sacrifice to the Lord. No, now go to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen, of people, the foremen of the people of Israel saw that, there were, that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh, verse 21, and, and they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Now we have some issues right here because now we have 
uh, a situation where verse 10, Pharaoh, Pharaoh is so annoyed. He's so arrogant, so full of himself, right? He's so, so conscious about who is this Lord that I have to listen to his voice like he asks in verse 2, right? Verse 10, Pharaoh finally says, you know what? Thus says Pharaoh. Whoever this God, look, know what, know what, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping in. Thus says Pharaoh. So now this, this conversation that started from Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh is not really more so like now Pharaoh versus God. Because Pharaoh wants Moses and Aaron to know, you know what, your God may have said this, but guess what, thus says Pharaoh. We see Pharaoh's heart. We see his arrogance, right? We see, we see who he is, and we know anybody with a, with a, with a, with a, with a, with a proud heart. God humbles. God humbles. Nebuchadnezzar said that God humbles, right? And God exalts. God exalts. But, but Pharaoh, Pharaoh is here, right? So, so Pharaoh's arrogance is showing. And I want to tell you something. Let's check, check this out. The root of rebellion is actually unbelief or doubt. I want to say that again. The root of rebellion is unbelief or doubt. You don't believe me. How many of you have kids? I don't, but I have a bunch of nephews, and I got a lot of friends who has kids. And I've seen it happen a million and one times. Hey, little Johnny, don't touch that. Hey, that fire's going to burn. Hey, you might hurt yourself. Hey, you might break your neck. You know, and that's my go-to. The hospital's too far away. Please don't do it. I always say that to every child, if, if you leave your child with me, I always say, please don't do anything to hurt yourself. The hospital is too far away. And it's so true. I don't want any child to do anything, right? I, I want them chill. But, but catch this out. Again, rebellion is the root. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. The, the root of rebellion is unbelief or doubt. And for whatever reason, every time you tell a child, hey, don't do that, you might hurt yourself. You might burn. You might faint. You might fall out. What if I lose you? Guess what? They always like to test those those waters and see, I wonder how serious, uh, <laughs> right, this, this, this action can be. I wonder if I can really uh, uh, hurt myself. I wonder if I touch a fire, if I really would burn. I remember when I was a kid, and I'll never forget, my mom, um, I, I believe my father was in a choir as well, but they were definitely in choir rehearsal, getting ready for um, a, a recording, and so uh, I was there, I had to be like four, five years old. I was there running around my church just being free. I was told several times, Mark, chill out. You're going to hurt yourself. Chill out. But my rebellion came from my unbelief that I could hurt myself. Well, anyway, I finally snuck away from, from the main sanctuary where rehearsal was going on. And I kind of snuck back into the back of the church where it used to be an old gym. And so, you know, old gyms have like that little uh, uh, track, you know, around the perimeter. And you can run up there or walk, whatever is easiest for you. I don't, I'm not too sure. And um, on, on the rails, it was, again, it was like in the 90s. So it was like the top rail and then a the middle rail and the floor. So it was like a big gap in between all the, uh, this, uh, this railing. And I was running on it, and guess what? Some way, somehow, my, my right foot kind of went through the hole, and before I knew it, I fell. I spun around in the air two times, fell, landed on my back onto a wooden stage. Had I not been rebellious and kept my tail still, guess what? I wouldn't have been rushed to the hospital at five years old and have a lasting result of my spine is a little crooked on the right side. 
but I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine now. Thank you. But listen, but it's the truth. Rebellion, right, is a result of unbelief and doubt that something can happen. And at this point, Pharaoh is literally rebelling against God. He says, now thus says Pharaoh. So catch this out. The part that, that always kind of kind of kind of gets me was like the Israelites, right? They believed in the Lord. And Moses and Aaron had faithfully spoken his word to Pharaoh. But it seems like now, because God's word went forth, things went literally from worse to worser, right? And of course, now we see in chapter four, right, Moses was already forewarned by God that Pharaoh would have a hardened heart, right? He already told us. He already told us. But a part of me feels like Pharaoh, I mean, uh, Moses and Aaron were not necessarily well equipped or ready for what's to come. But this is why we are believers, right? So catch this out, right? So the Israelites' work has now become harder. The situation has come from a, uh, uh, went from a, a place of hopelessness, right? Now to faith in chapter 4. They were all excited, ready, ready to, be, uh, to be delivered, right? To now a little bit of resentment and doubt. Because they were like Moses and Aaron. Clearly, you must have not communicated God's word good to, to, to Pharaoh. Because our work got harder. We're a little more harder. We're, we're, we're tired, right? Things got harder. So, so something, something didn't go well because our work got a little harder. And the thing is, they let the words of Pharaoh distract them from the word of God. Again, I said again, they let the words of Pharaoh distract them from the word of God because they went to Moses and Aaron and said, clearly you didn't do something right. Clearly you didn't do something right because now we have to work a little harder. And so they were now distracted. They forgot about the promise. They forgot about the, the excitement they just had maybe a day, a couple of hours before when they were all in agreement and bowed down and worshiped God after Moses and Aaron showed them the signs and told them what the Lord planned on doing. And this is where you have to ask yourself, do I really believe God's word? And if I really believe his word, do I trust his word? Because there is a difference, Right. I could believe when I was a kid, I always believed that my parents were going to pick me up from school. But I never trusted the time. <laughs> I never trusted the time that they said they were going to come because something always happened. Now, I had assurance that they were going to do it, but my doubt came in when, uh, when I didn't believe uh, that they were going to do it when they say it. But good thing God is not like man, that God does whatever he says he's going to do in time, right? It's all going to work out. And so the problem that the Israelites are facing now is that they, they had the word of God. And I really, really believe they believed it, but they were distracted by other things. They believed God's word, but their response to Moses saying, clearly you didn't communicate something right because I work a little harder. Their response showed, me, showed us that they don't really trust God's word. And now these bricks, right? These bricks they were building. It's getting harder. It's getting harder. I'm getting more distracted. The words of Pharaoh, he's being a little more meaner. And here's the thing, though. Now, the, the part that gets me about the children of Israelites, and it's true for us as well, is that we have seen God's work. 
We've seen his work bunches of times. We've seen his work every morning when we wake up. We've seen his work in our family, right? We have cancer survivors here. We have all, we have all kinds of things. So we've seen his work, yet we constantly start to doubt his word. We've seen his work, yet for whatever reason, we like to doubt his word. So yeah, these bricks got a little harder to make. Possibly got a little heavier. But the bricks didn't break them. The bricks would have broke them way less uh, slower than their faith would have. They were so worried about making the bricks that they got distracted. But guess what? I want to let you know right here, right now, if I can really uh, relate it back to you, I want to ask you a real question, church. Will you let the bricks break you? Will you let bricks break you? So, Mark, what is what are bricks? What are bricks? What are bricks? What are, what are some current bricks, right? Who I got bills due. That's a brick. I got babysitter fees. That's another brick. Job is slow right now. That's another brick, right? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to buy a house, but the process is annoying. That's a brick, right? I'm trying to, I'm trying to, 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 exp- uh, to, uh, to explore and f- find a new job because the one I have is, is sucky. That's a brick, right? Things, finances are bricks, right? Schedules are bricks. Your lack of sleep, it's a brick. Child going crazy, that's a brick, right? We got all these bricks, but the question is, will you let the bricks break you? And again, your faith will break you faster than the bricks. But, but the, but, uh, uh, check this out. Uh, the, the, the Israelites were frustrated with Moses and Aaron. Um, they felt like they gave the Egyptians every reason to kill them, right? But the biggest problem that I have with them, the children of Israelites is, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the, the children of Israel are that, one, they've seen God's work, yet they doubted him. And that this is true for all of us, right? When we're in a season of brick making, when everything is hard, when everything is tough, when everything seems unfair, when life is just jumbled, right? When we're in this season of, of brick making, we fail to remember the bigger picture. And had they really remembered God's promise of deliverance, of restoration, they would have known the bricks were not meant to break them, but the bricks were there to build them. Again, had they really stuck to God's promise, they would have known the bricks were not there and they were not building them to break them. The bricks literally couldn't break them because God had a promise of restoring them, right? The bricks wouldn't have, broke, uh, wouldn't have broken them. But the bricks build them up. We become, as people, so obsessed with what's happening right now that we always seem to have uh, some, some, some nearsighted problems. We, we don't see that right now. But what about the, the promise? What about the, the future? Things change. Everything has to change. The only thing, that, only thing that's the same is, is God. Everything has to change. It's always going to be an up. If there's an up, there's a down. But we can't let the bricks break us. I, one of our most beloved in the Christian faith, our most beloved scriptures, right? Jeremiah 29 and 11, we all know it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, right? Plans of welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, I want to kind of go back with this, right? We love that scripture, but I want to put it in context a little bit. The children of Israel at this point in Jeremiah were exiled again. 
But this is when God tells them, tells them, I know the plans I have for you. I'm your creator. I need you to trust my word. And, and, and before he said that, nobody told him. He told them to keep multiplying, keep having kids, right? He told them to keep building their houses. He told them to keep planting and keep eating. And I want to add one a little bit. I want to say keep building your bricks because I, the Lord says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Keep building the bricks. The bricks will not break you. The bricks are building you up, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Uh, you're in captivity right now. It sucks. It sucks, but guess what? It benefits you. It sucks. It benefits you. I, another scripture that I love, James 1, uh, 2 through 4, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The trials build endurance. The bricks build endurance. The bricks, the, the bricks build you up. They won't break you. And this is what the children of Israel, they forgot that the bricks, even though the work was hard, it wasn't meant or going to break them. We all have bricks. We all have experienced bricks. I remember when I was um, my freshman year of college, I was at the Boss Conservatory, and I did well there, had fun. I think some of you all heard, heard this story before. I was doing great there, having fun. Uh, feeling all, you know, have, uh, in the opera, just doing great things. And I remember um, my tuition wasn't paid. I owed about uh, close to $9,000. And um, uh, the school told my mother and father that if I didn't pay the 9000 before the school year ended, I couldn't take my final exams to get me ready for the next fall semester. This was in the spring of 2010. And I remember um, I was really devastated. I was like, God, I'm doing so good up here. I'm, I'm loving it. Everything's great, but I just can't afford to stay. And so my mom pleaded with them. She literally asked them if I can um, at least take my exams um, before they put me out. And so they, they, they said yes. And just sure enough, as soon as I finished my last exam, I, never, I would never forget it. It was a piano exam. I finished the last exam. I literally had an escort waiting for me to walk me off campus. Um, I sat at the airport for a couple of hours until I was able to get a plane ticket home. Um, and, and I realized for the first time in my life, um, outside of Katrina, this is my first adult brick. I'm out of school, can't go back. I have a $9,000 balance that I have to pay before school starts in the fall. Right, so now I'm back in New Orleans. I can't find a job. This is This is... This is early May of 2010. Can't find a job. I'm broke. All my friends are doing stuff. Can go places, concerts, activities, X, Y, Z. But I'm broke. I have no money. That's another brick. I don't have a job because I couldn't find one. No one would hire me. I had no experience. Right? We all heard that before. No experience. I couldn't find a job. That's another brick. Right? Finally found a job. But then the car that I had, guess what? I was foolish. I was young. I didn't put oil in it. So what happened? Oil, uh, engine went out, another brick. Now I have to buy a car with the little money that I was making to try to get back to school. 
a bigger brick, right? So I have all these bricks building up. I have all these bricks building up. But I also realized that there was a bigger story and purpose for me. The bricks didn't break me. The bricks actually got me to where I am right now, preaching to you. The bricks didn't break me. So I want to I, I go back to the beginning of this sermon. In verse 2, chapter 5, verse 2, Pharaoh asked the simple question, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Now, the irony is, Pharaoh needed to know this because he wanted to make a, a decision, I believe. But not only did he need to know it, the children of Israel needed to know who the Lord was so that they can obey, and not just obey his voice, but trust his voice. And so if I had to kind of put this back a little bit and, and reflect a little bit, the reason why I can truthfully say not only do I believe his word, but I trust his word is because I have the same sentiments as David in Psalm 23. So if you ask me who was the Lord, I will probably reply, the Lord is my shepherd. And, and, and again, these are the benefits of trusting and believing God's word and recognizing him as not, not just an imaginary figure somewhere, but truly Lord over my life. These are the benefits of having a Lord over your life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does that mean? I lack nothing. Right. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside, uh, beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup. It overflows. And again, the benefit of trusting and believing the word of God and making him Lord over your life. Surely goodness and mercy, even while you're building bricks. Surely goodness and mercy, even when it gets hard. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the benefit of trusting God's word. This is the benefit of believing God's word. And most importantly, this is the benefit of making him Lord over your life. So who is the Lord? The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. And if the children of Israel really, 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 really not just believed that, but trusted it as well. Guess what? They would have known them making bricks wasn't the end all tell all. There was a bigger story, and there was more past than now. So I want to come to you, church. I want to ask you a few questions. Who is your Lord? Again, I said earlier, the point of the non-believer is to make sure you know God's words are lies, because it stops you from living your own life. Who is your Lord? Is it power? Is it sex? Is it money? 
Is it relationships, all right? Is it your job? What is controlling your every aspect? What do you let guide you? Who do you let guide you? Who is your Lord? Secondly, I want to ask, if God is your Lord, will you believe his word? Will you believe that he is your shepherd? Will you trust that you will lack nothing? Do you really believe, truly believe, that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, even while you're building bricks? And one last question, even while you're building bricks, will you let the bricks break you? Will you let the bricks destroy you? Would you you let the bricks get you down? Would you let the the miscarriage break you? Would you let the, the financial losses break you? Would you let the marriage or the divorce break you? No, because the Lord is your shepherd and you lack nothing. And goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you fear nor evil. That's the benefit of trusting the Lord, knowing him, believing his word, and I want to encourage you to not let the bricks break you. Again, touch your chest and say, I won't let, you can say it even at home, I won't let the bricks break me. Let's say a prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your impartation. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your your presence. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our shepherd, and not only you are our shepherd, God, but you desire to lead us. And God, let, let, let our hearts reflect, uh, reflect that we want you to lead us. Lead us. We want to be led by you, Father, because the safest place to be is in the presence of the Lord. We want the goodness and mercy to follow us all the days of our lives. So, God, so we thank you, God, for your love. We thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you, God, for this purpose. And we pray, Father God, that you would lead us. In Jesus' name, amen.